Welcome to Between the 20s Dynasty Football Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Schieber. Join with me, phoning in my co-host, Mr. John Host. John, how are we doing this evening? Uh, doing fantastic. Ready to talk some uh, rookie running backs. Absolutely. This running back class, the meat and bone of the 2018 draft, given us a lot to look at. Um, some bigger backs, we did, the size that we haven't had in years from a class. These guys blew up the combine, and we also have a nice amount of PPR backs on the back end in, in that smaller third down specialist role. So very excited to get into this class. John, from a 60-foot view, uh, how does this class line up for you in terms of what you've seen over the past five years? I mean, it's definitely up there. Um, uh, you know, in the beginning, I wasn't sure about how deep we would go. I think there were a lot of names that ended up not coming out, which I thought would maybe impact the depth. But, you know, as the process has gone on, you start realizing there's a lot of good names. And the best part about it is these names are going to find themselves going day one and day two. Um, so from a fantasy perspective, when you hear names with that kind of a, a draft round projection, that gives you some uh, – some serious uh, consideration on uh, on where their value is going to be and gets you excited. Absolutely. And I agree on that. You know, we had Damian Harris, Bryce Love, um, LJ Scott, you know, some some pretty big names right. returned to school. And it's crazy to think what this class would be like if you added those three into the mix. Yeah. But, um, yeah, what a, what a special group. And I think there is no other player than to start off with the word special – as Mr. Saquon Barkley himself, you know, it's almost boring to talk about Saquon Barkley. He, a true generational talent. To the fact of nobody went to his pro day. Nobody. Like, nobody. There, There is, the reason why we're not going to spend more than about a minute and a half on Saquon Barkley right here is because there's nothing left to say. The guy is a freak of nature. My comparison for him is LaDainian Tomlinson. And, and I'm going to go into the numbers in just a second, but, uh, I mean, do you have any insight that you want to give our listeners on Saquon Barkley? Yeah, I mean, if you don't know by now, you know, I don't know what's necessarily wrong with you, but he bring, he checks every box. He brings everything to the table. He'll play every down. He'll play every snap. He can do everything for you, rushing, passing, uh, you know, pass protection. Um, he checks every box, like you said, LT explosion versatility uh with with elite size to bring to the table i mean uh you know i don't know what else there is to say yeah man i mean just comparing them up to lt 443 to 440 in the 40 both guys jumped out of the gym they uh he had a 40 inch vertical and uh and, and lt had a 40.5 inch vertical did he do the broad jump i don't see it on here I don't think he did broader three cone, but yeah. uh, at that point he already knew he was uh, he was set. He probably got a few promises from a few teams or something because yeah, he, there wasn't much uh, proving he had left to do. I will say this, man: LT had a six eight four three cone at two hundred twenty one pounds. I mean, <laughs> Tomlinson was so special, and I Tomlinson's the best fantasy running back of the last twenty years. So I, I don't want to get everybody too excited about Barkley because will he live up to Tomlinson? No. I mean, he just won't. I mean, the the odds are so far against him. But I do think that's the level of pro. He's he's going to be a better fantasy player than Adrian Peterson. I can tell you that right now because Peterson couldn't catch passes. 
before he ha- before he plays a down, Saquon Barkley is my dynasty RB two behind only Todd Gurley, and and I think that that is extremely fair. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I mean, you put his you put just this is going to be his rookie year, right? So the age thing gives puts him in his favor, puts him ahead of some of those other guys. But yeah, like you said, I mean, he's just one of those guys where you don't he doesn't need anything to produce, right? He could go to Cleveland and and you may put a little scare into you just being on the Browns, but a guy that talented, there's nothing that's going to hold him back. Absolutely. For our number two back, we're going to do a little uh, a little one v one. Mama versus Papa argument, I think, here, John. So I'm going to take Darius Geis, who I have two on my board, and I think I know who you're going to argue for at the 102, uh, Mr. Sony Michelle. So would you like me to start the argument, or do you want to do you want to start the uh, start the debate? Oh, I'll let you go first. Okay. Well, Mr. Geis, the reason why Darius Geis has to be 102 on your board is number one, and most importantly. Darius Geis is going to be a first-round pick. I would bet my life on the fact that Darius Geis is going to be a first-round pick. I did see that there was a Vegas bet of over <laughs> under one and a half, uh, one and a half running backs taken in round one, and I am debating putting my mortgage down. So, yeah, Darius Geis is going to go in the first round, probably in the top twenty picks. I think Washington, Baltimore, Detroit, even Seattle are all in play. Could fall to even New England potentially. But Geis, to me, is just more of a workhorse. I mean, he had he's averaged six and a half yards per carry in college, uh, 471 touches. Keep in mind, the first two years, he's sharing time with Fournette, and, and 29 rushing touchdowns again. I mean, this guy is a monster. He runs like Marshawn Lynch. It, you know, his running style is really hard. The one thing that you worry about with a guy like with a guy like Geis, is he his style could lead him to being a little more injury prone. In fact, actually, a comp that you haven't heard that between the twenties picked up on is actually Ryan Matthews, a guy who went one twelve in uh, in two thousand ten. Geis is a little bigger than Matthews was, but very similar kind of running back where runs hard. You know, Ryan Matthews could not stay healthy. I think that's the biggest downside with Darius Geis. And um, you just have to wonder long-term how long he can hold up. But everything else, man, I think he's going to be a monster in fantasy. I also think, too, that he's going to catch more balls than people think. I, I, I think Geis is a better receiver. I think LSU is garbage in general. I mean, they couldn't figure out a way to get Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry the ball. Just like Fournette was a very capable pass catcher last year, I certainly think Geis is capable. So do not be misinformed and think he can't do it just because LSU was incompetent to allow him to do it. Yeah, you know, I like what you said about Geis there, but I'm going to go into my number two on my board, and that's Sony Michel. Um, you know, love I, I love this guy's game. Um, you know, Everything you talked about, Geis, is true, but he's more of your throwback running back. He brings that big, bruising, first, second down type running style. And I'm going to go with a guy who is today's NFL running back. He can play all three downs. He checks all the boxes. The thing I love about Michelle is even though he played more of a 1B role at Georgia, his whole skill set, 
he, he could do everything, right? So it's not like they brought him in to be a change of pace guy, even though that's technically what his role was. His skill set allowed him to do everything. He's compact enough to run through the tackles. Uh, he can he can do what you need in on the inside run game, and then he has the skill and the speed to burst it to the outside and uh, and and hit those more home run plays. Um, and and uh, to to add on to that, he brings a way more refined. Uh, receiving game than Darius Geis. Now, maybe Geis didn't have the opportunity to prove it at LSU due to that offense, but we saw Michelle do it. And this guy can run every route in the book. You saw him at his pro day. He's out there running receivers, uh, receiver routes just like McCaffrey did. Uh, he can run everything in the in the route tree. Um, so you can u- utilize that part of his game. Otherwise, you can line him up uh, shotgun style. Uh, he can dot the eye. He can do it all. And on top of that, he can uh, he can protect the passer better than any uh, any running back in this class. So with all of that combined into a running back, I think he can slot into any offense and uh, and be one of the uh, one of the focal points of a productive uh, productive offense and be a productive fantasy star. Yeah, man. I'm not. You know, I love Sony Michelle. Pass protection is definitely a strength of his game. Uh, the other nice thing about Michelle that I think is a little underrated is he had more carries than Darius Geis. He had 120 more career rushing attempts than Darius Geis. Now, he, he did play uh, four years of college, but he averaged a very healthy 6.1 yards per carry. So it, it is fool's gold to think this guy can't run the rock. Now, there's a couple things that I worry about with Michelle that I don't worry about with Geis. What if an NFL team views him as a 1B like he was a 1B to Nick Chubb? And I think that that is a very real concern, and that's why on a pre-draft show, I have to put him behind Geis. Everything else you said, I think, is spot on. People compare this guy to Kamara. I don't think he's Kamara because I don't think he has the the balance after contact that Kamara did. Kamara is so special when it comes to that. And also, I don't think he's nearly the pass catcher of Kamara. Kamara caught 74 balls uh, basically in two years of college. So, you know, where, where it took Sony four years to catch 64 for what it's worth. Kamara was a very special back. What I see a little bit more of, of uh, Sony Michelle is Joseph Adai who was ironically also 5'11 and 2'14. Kind of like Sony Michelle, I think a lot of people that especially the especially his fan club have like a late day one grade on him, which is actually where Joseph Adai went. And, and I think that it's very fair to compare him to Adai. And ironically, how funny is it that we think this guy's gonna be a cult in round two? That would be very fitting to my comparison here, but I, I do think Adai was a little more athletic than Michelle. I mean, Adai ran a four, four flat. He jumped out of the gym with 38 inch vert, but I, I see a lot of his game in Sony Michelle. And I think that, um, I think he can be that versatile back and hopefully he's, uh, he's playing an indie here in, in a few that, weeks. That uh, would that, be awesome. That would be awesome. So what, one thing we do agree though, is that that's kind of our end of tier two, right? Right. Absolutely. It's, it's pretty much, you got your top three, Barkley's in a tier by himself, and then it's the next up are those two. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think where you and I disagree a little bit is I think there's a tier three and then a tier four in our top nine running backs where you have them grouped together. But our, our next three are Nick Chubb, Kyrion Johnson, and Rashad Penny. 
those are my next three. I don't really care what order you have these guys in because for right now, I don't really think it matters. I've seen people have Penny as high as two, you know, and I know some scouts love the guy. And I've yep. seen people say Nick Chubb is 102, you know, and, and I know pre-draft you personally had Kyrion Johnson as 102. So the the bottom line is for a for a four, fifth, and six back, that is loaded. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're talking about the same sort of depth we were seeing last year. Um, now, obviously, there's not the same depth at the other positions, so these guys are going to be pushed towards the top of the first round of all your drafts. But um, to see these kind of four, five, six ranked running backs uh, at this spot, I think is awesome. I think they all bring something unique to the table. And uh, and yeah, you you got it right on. I think the four, five, six are those three guys in any order. Yeah, we're we're gonna go with the other Georgia back, Nick Chubb, just because I've seen him 104 the most often. Currently, I do think his draft position is relatively safe. Nick Chubb, you know, what a what a marvel this is. And I, I'm excited for you to talk about him because you probably are one of the lowest guys in the community on Nick Chubb. But I'll tell you what, this dude's stats speak for themselves. 758 career carries, almost 4769 career rushing yards, 6.3 yards per carry in his career, and 44 touchdowns. Nick Chubb was an absolute monster. This guy as a freshman was viewed as a true phenom, a true breakout age, just plain dominant after Todd Gurley went out. We said, hey, here's another great Georgia running back. We all know about the knee injury. We all know about the poor junior year that caused him to, it looks like, wisely stay in school because not only did he bounce back his senior year, but he demolished the combine. I mean, if it wasn't for Saquon Barkley, the entire Twitter universe would be going bonkers on how excellent Nick Chubb was. Like, do you realize how special Nick Chubb was in in the combine? I mean, a 4.52 uh, 40 time at 227 pounds. He did a 38 and a half inch vert, 128 in the broad jump, which was second best in the class. And he also was pretty impressive on the three cones at, at 7.09. For a for a guy who is 227 pounds, that is really impressive. I mean, I I, I love that time. You know, for for a guy that size, I I, th- I think that that was. I think his combine was huge for him. I and I, you know, what else I love, John, that I think is really overrated. I think the fact that this kid went out and did every single drill. I I, I love when I see guys do that. I I want to see you compete, and there is no question that this kid went out and competed, and I love seeing that. Yeah, you know, I I know you love the competitors at the Combine. I know you love guys that go out there, but the thing to remember is all the guys who need to compete in every every drill are usually the guys who need to up their stock. So you're right, I'll give him credit for that, but, uh, but there's a reason he had to compete in everything. And that's because the last time we saw Nick Chubb on a college football field, he looked worthless i'm sorry but that national <laughs> championship game wow, i'm so happy I, you're bringing this up right oh now. oh <laughs> man you know that is just my lasting memory of nick chubb and i feel bad because i never really i never really thought that negatively about him but i watched him in that game and he could not generate any offense and uh or any any positive yardage any positive plays and and sony michelle blew him out of the water in that game 
I mean, he was electric. He was the only one that could get past the second level on that Bama defense, and and Chubb was stuck at the line every play. I will give you this. I, I moved him up to six. I, I, I had him way down, but that was just, you know, uh, I saw that game and, and was a little freaked out. But after that combine, he really was impressive. I mean, you went through all the numbers. Um, those are the kind of numbers that uh, at that size – you know, you could see him being a, uh, you know, a workhorse style back. And absolutely. Um, and I, yeah, so it's tough to deny that. You know, you got to have him in your top six no matter what. He brings a lot to the table. The other thing, you know, I think, and, and more to get more onto a comp, I'm kind of going with Alfred Morris, right? He's a more of a one cut, get him north and south, get him moving, head of steam, and he can take on tacklers, break those. You know, get to the uh, get to the edge and show off some of that uh, that speed at his size. But um, I think that's an appropriate comp. I don't know if you have anyone else that you like better than that. Yeah, I mean, Morris was such a bad athlete. Four point six three in the forty. I mean, it, you know, not not really as close as as Chubb. And obviously, he was a day three pick. Uh, I think Sean Alexander is a little more appropriate. Yeah, and I'm talking prime Sean Alexander. That that's what I think Nick Chubb's best case scenario could be. I mean, this dude can handle a massive workload. I think Nick Chubb might be the safest workhorse in the class. You know, because of because Barkley, you know, the one knock on him is, is he between the tackles? You know, Geis' injury, you know, we worried about his injuries. We already mentioned that. I think Nick Chubb is the dude in this class that you give the ball to 25 times and you set and forget. And here's what it comes down to, John. Nick Chubb or Sony Michelle, who gets drafted first? I think Michelle. I think he, his skill set, his game is is more attractive to teams at the top of the second round than it would be to, um, although a workhorse, a more limited in what he can bring to your offense type of running back like Nick Chubb. So I just think Michelle's skill set keeps him higher than Chubb, but both of them are in the second round. Uh, Michelle at the very top, uh, Chubb maybe more in the middle. Yeah, I, I I love Michelle, and I think Michelle will get drafted first. But I, I'll tell you this: I wouldn't be surprised if Chubb went first, not in the least. Uh, I you know I think yeah. I think he's another guy. I think Chubb's a top fifty pick for sure. And this and this next guy I think might sneak into the top fifty, and that's Rashad Penny. Now, Rashad Penny is a really interesting prospect because his college production was video game man, video game. We all know he had over 2,000 rushing yards, 2,200 rushing yards in his last season, but this dude averaged seven and a half career yards per attempt in college. And I, and I get it. He played at San Diego State. I understand that argument, but the only running back in my database, which goes back a decade, back to 2008, the only running back in my database that had a better yards per attempt than Rashad Penny was Melvin Gordon at, at 7.8. And Melvin yeah. Gordon, as, as we all know, was a, was a top 15 draft pick. So you, you got to respect what this guy's doing at, at some level, right? And I in the 4.46.40, I think, I think that caught everybody off guard. I mean, that was, yeah. you know, one, one thing I love about the combine, and I want our listeners to, to understand this, Everything that happens in the offseason, all, all of this process, right, you need to go back and take it for what it is. And what I mean by that is when I first watched Rashad Penny, I saw a lot of big plays. Of course he had a lot of big plays. He averaged 7.5 yards per carry. And I thought a lot of that was due to competition because it was a lot of big runs. 
But after he ran a 4-4-6 in the 40, I said, all right, this guy is NFL fast. I mean, he's faster than Dalvin Cook. He's faster than Kamara. He's fat, you know, he's faster than all those guys last year. He's faster than Fournette. In fact, he's faster than Zeke. <laughs> Zeke ran a 4-4-7. So you have to respect that size and speed and know he wasn't just running away from guys because he played at San Diego State. This dude is a blazer. He's he's 220 pounds. And I know that, you know, some scouts love I mean, I've seen I've seen guys have this guy as their 102 in this draft. I mean, the and, and then I've had some guys that think he's, you know, more of a 107, 108 guy. He's probably one of the guys that varies the most, but I think Penny is if he gets the right spot, man, you put now this is that one hill cut runner, John. This dude, if Rashad Penny uh, ends up in Shanny's system in San Fran, oh my God. I mean, absurd figures coming. Absurd. Right. Hey, hey, uh, by the way, hope you guys sold your f- Jarek McKinnon shares when we told you that last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I- you know, I'm with you on Penny, and, and I think you made a good point about the combine, and what it really did is when we watch all this film of Rashad Penny blowing past secondaries and linebackers, the first thing everyone said is, can we believe it? He's playing Mountain West competition. Do we try to minimize what this guy's bringing to the table? And then you see the number, and you get that confirmation that you're looking for. And when a guy comes in at that size, with that speed, just like you said, you know he has the ability to be that type of workhorse running back at the next level and give you the type of running and production that, that you would want out of that workhorse. So, uh, you know, I like that I like that take a lot. Um, and, and, yeah, you know, I, I just I love the way he runs. I love the way he runs. You know, he's got that speed to get to the outside. And like you said, he's that one cut. You know, he's not the guy who's going to get taken down by an arm tackle. Uh, you got to bring this guy down. He's he's not going to go down easy. And, and I loved what I saw on tape. And then the numbers you see just bring that confirmation that okay, this guy can play at any level. Yeah, and I'll tell you what the one the one big knock against Penny, and, and I'm going to compare him to uh, to a guy from last year. He he can't pass block at all, man. This dude is the worst yep. pass blocker in the class. He actually reminds me a lot of Deontay Foreman, who I actually really liked. Another side speed freak who went in, who went in the third round. And if there's one thing that's going to keep Rashad Penny uh, drafted in the third round instead of the second round, you'll know because it's teams that don't trust him on receiving downs. That's why I love him in the third round, man. If he went to uh, the Niners at 75 overall, you know, because you got Jarek McKinnon there to play third down. Oh my God, that would be abs- that would be an absurd spot for him. So I, I do think he's going to be a third round pick. I think the first four are, are pretty safe in in the, in the top two rounds that we mentioned. But I, I think Penny is going to be kind of like Alvin Kamara, where he's an early third rounder. I wouldn't be shocked to see a team spend a second on him, but I think his his pass catching uh, question mark along with terrible pass blocking is going to drop him just slightly into the third round. But there's no doubt as a runner, he's a second-round talent. No question. Yeah, I agree. And then rounding out this Tier 3 for us is is one of your favorites. So I'm actually going to let you start. Kirion Johnson, another guy who some people have a day three grade on this guy. And I think it's mind-boggling, but I'm going to let you take the floor and explain 
why there is no way Kerryon Johnson should fall to day three in the NFL draft. Yeah, the big thing about Kerryon Johnson and the thing that I always love and why I loved him in the beginning is when you first sit down and, and you don't know any of the numbers, you just watch the guys play football. The thing that I always look is, is what traits can he bring that'll translate. And I think the number one thing that he does is he can get to the line and he's not in a rush to get anywhere and stall and not make the right move. He has the patience. And I think that's a really underrated uh, underrated trait for a lot of running backs in the NFL. And he's coming in with that already ingrained in his playing style. So he can come into the NFL and he can, he can make the right reads, he can make the right cuts, and he's not going to be afraid to let his blockers do their job before he makes the right decision. You know, I love that about him. And then what else I loved is when he got downhill, he had a little bit of a thump. Um, I love his explosion. I mean, the vertical and the broad numbers, those are special, right? He puts himself in a top tier of guys, I got to imagine, over the past 10 years of, of, uh, of jump numbers. And, and that translates to explosion. I mean, that is the kind of traits and things that I really loved about him. So obviously, when you think patience, the number one example in the NFL today is Le'Veon Bell. Now, I'm not going to put that type of expectation on him, nor do I really think he's going to produce to that level. But when you have traits like that, those are what produce effective running backs at the next level. And maybe potentially production-wise, he could be closer to a Tevin Coleman, right? A similar frame, similar running style. One of the negatives, I think, is he's a little too upright, right? He's got that long, lean frame. Uh, he doesn't always like, uh, he doesn't always like you know, getting down and, and uh, lowering his pad level, but he, he brings enough thump with that explosion where he'll be all right. Um, and then I also love the fact that he can play on all three downs. I think that's a big point of, of all these backs that I try to look at is, is can they maximize their playing time by playing on all three downs? And I think he's a guy that can do that with his with his passing game chops. So, um, you know, I love the certain traits that he brings to the table, and that's what I think is is really going to make him a successful running back. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny that you mentioned uh, Tevin Coleman about Kerryon Johnson. My biggest worry about Kerryon Johnson is that he is smaller than people think. He weighed in at 213 at the combine, but he was actually smaller at his pro day. He was 208. He's, I mean, he looks bigger. You know, I, I would have never yeah. thought he was going to be pushing this 210 line, right? Now, right. now, the good news is being a little bit of a taller back, he can still fill out his frame. And I love what you said about the burst. I mean, a 40-inch vert and a 126-foot broad, that is, that is elite burst score. Now... Where he struggled severely was his shuttle time at 4.29. And his three cone was 7.07, which is not a worry. But considering a guy like Royce Freeman, who we'll get to in a minute, ran a 6.9, you would have liked to see better out of Kirion Johnson. Le'Veon Bell, for example, you know, the guy that, you know, that we lazily compared him to, did a 6.75 uh, at a ridiculous 230 pounds. So, you know, Kirion Johnson does not seem to have that short shuttle quickness that Bell has, which I, which I think is going to be a, a troublesome thing for him at the next level. So, yeah, you know, Kirion Johnson, I, I, I really think is the hardest guy for me in this class because I think his upside is monster. And I also see a lot of downside in Kirion Johnson. And so, you know, there, there's a lot of guys that I, I really respect in the industry. You know, Matt Miller is a guy that I really respect. 
and he loves Kirion Johnson. At the same time, Graham Barfield, who is you know probably the number one running back guru that I that I know of, he doesn't like Kirion at all. And one of the reasons is Kirion Johnson's college production was was pretty bad. I mean, he averaged under five yards a carry, you know, which is which is just not good. I mean, that when you're under five, it's definitely a, a black mark against you. One thing that is underrated about Kirion's game, though, is 55 receptions, and that's actually one of the better better marks in this class. So, yeah, man. I mean, Kirion Johnson is is literally the guy. You know, he he's my RB six, but he could be my RB nine, and he could be my RB three post draft. I I really believe that. I think he is the biggest enigma in the draft. I don't know what to think. I can't wait to see what NFL because I think even the NFL is torn. I think it's a coin flip if Kieran goes day two or day three. Number one, what what do you think, and how important is it to you? Uh, which day he goes? It's important what day I want him to be take day two. You know, I really think he deserves to be there based on those traits that I think he brings to the table. But I'm not going to be super worried if he ends up going early day three if it means the right spot. So you're right about the landing spot to me means more than you know if he's early round uh, early round four or you know mid round three. Um, I just want him to see. I want to see him go to a spot with a legitimate opportunity to have a three down role where a team can try to rely on him. Um, you know, I'd love to see that opportunity, and I think landing spot for a guy like Carrion is going to dictate his value maybe more than anyone, like you said. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think there's a tier here, and, and you don't necessarily, but I think these next three guys in Freeman, Ronald Jones, and John Kelly, I just have more question marks on them than the previous three guys we just mentioned. And I'll touch on what I really like and what I really don't on all three of these backs which of these three do you want to start with, John? I think we should start with Ronald Jones because for a guy, he's been uh, he's had the highest you know positive talk about a guy for the fantasy community that I think not a lot of us are buying into. Yeah, yeah, you know Ronald Jones. You talk about a guy. I, I think we we were just talking about how Kyrion Johnson we have ranked solidly ahead of him. And, and by the way, are we in agreement that for sure the first five backs we mentioned? are definitely going to go in, in day two or above. I think that's a lock, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think Ronald Jones is a lock. So do I, yeah. But what's funny is is that we don't like Ronald Jones as much as the NFL does. And the one of the biggest things, and we're just going to start off with this right now, if you listen to this show last year, and there's we'll, we'll have an article on this uh, once we have our uh, website up and running, which will be coming soon, there is a, there is a substantial cutoff. Uh, with running backs at 210 pounds in NFL success. Dalvin Cook flirted with this. He's so lucky he hit 210. Otherwise, I would have been very low on him <laughs> last year. Ronald Jones at 205, the odds are against him, historically. Um, the odds are just against this guy. And the thing that you have to be very concerned about when it comes to Ronald Jones is that he wasn't as electric as you maybe wanted him to be. And what I mean by that is, in the Pac-12, if you're going to be small, I want you to be Christian McCaffrey. You know? I, I mean, Christian McCaffrey was just simply better than Ronald Jones in, in every category. He averaged more yards, more 
you know, more touchdowns, even on the ground. And that wasn't McCaffrey's strength. But where, but where Ronald Jones really bugs you is the extreme lack of, of pass catching. 32 catches, 302 yards, and three touchdowns. I almost gave you Darius Geis' exact stat line in receiving. Right. Which is mind-boggling. And by the way, I almost just gave you Nick Chubb's exact stat line in receiving. It's crazy that a guy who played with Sam Darnold, who's about to be the number one or number two pick for sure, had that kind of receiving. I mean, how does that happen? So unlike guys who I can give a pass because he played on LSU and Nick Chubb, who I can give a pass because you had Sony Michelle. Um, I, I don't have an excuse for Ronald Jones. Not I don't have one. You know, so the the thing the thing I will say about Jones though, electric. I mean, if you were watching film on this guy and breaking it down. Saquon Barkley really stood out as as a speedster, but man, I I don't I think Ronald Jones almost stood out more. Man, Ronald Jones yeah. explodes out of a cannon. I, I'm not going to give him the Jamal Charles comp because I number one I think it's lazy, and number two I think Jamal Charles is much more laterally quick than Ronald Jones. I think he's more like C.J. Spiller, and I think he has the same upside and downside that C.J. Spiller had at the NFL level. What what do you think about Ronald Jones and how what do you, what's your risk gauge on the guy? I think you hit on on every point that that means everything with Ronald Jones. Um, and just to reiterate, for a guy who brings that sort of size and speed to the table, what is with the lack of receiving production? Crazy. Crazy, I man. I don't I don't understand why that happens for a player who all signs point to him being an electric piece that you can use anywhere on the field with that kind of athleticism. I just don't understand where the lack of production came from. And, and it's just, it is really weird to, to see that with a guy like him. But uh, I mean, I, I love your Spiller comp. Um, he brings similar size and, and I think speed and home run ability because the one thing I love seeing him on tape is, you know, he'll get to the line and if he sees a hole that bursts to the outside, he can hit that and he'll hit that sideline and you're not catching him. And that's on field speed and that's what you see on tape. And that is really impressive. And that's what has everyone, that kind of juice is what has everyone, you know, in the real NFL community really buzzing about this guy and what will probably make him a day two player just for that threat and, and that, and you know, bringing that type of speed to the table. It's just in fantasy, like you said, the floor is so low. And when you see a guy with that size, the reliability factor just isn't there. So with all the guys that we listed above above him, I think they bring way more reliability to the table. And you're you're getting a lot more safety with a player like that. But but an upside, you know, with with Ronald Jones is that home run hitter and and that guy that can get you 10 fantasy points in one play. So he brings you that kind of, that kind of ceiling, but the floor is a guy who's maybe out of the league in four years. One of the thing that's really important with Ronald Jones that, that I think is needs to be said, especially for our listeners that are doing pre NFL draft rookie drafts. I know I have one coming up in two weeks. Ronald Jones is a pure candidate to be screwed in landing spot. I've heard strong suggestions that the Chargers like him in round two, which makes a lot of sense because Melvin Gordon has been the least efficient running back in football for three years in a row. 
I could see that happening. I also think that Ronald Jones behind a bad offensive line is going to be a negative. You know, I, I, I look right. at like a guy like Amir Abdullah, who was also 205 pounds, who is a good back and had better, way better receiving chops than Ronald Jones did, uh, caught more than double the passes and yards that Ronald Jones did in college. If, if Ronald Jones goes to a spot without a great offensive line, I, I think he's going to have a ton of problems. It, and now, it, conversely, and for some reason, Philly seems to really like him. And I've, I, I don't think it's going to happen because I, I think Philly's too smart of an organization to waste a first round pick on Ronald Jones. But I have seen it be a trendy spot, or if Philly traded back, which I could see them do. A lot of times, the top team will will trade out of thirty two, potentially yeah. someone moving into the first round to grab an extra year on Mason Rudolph? Question mark. But. Um, <laughs> If he landed on a team like Philly, you love that, right? Be because the offensive line is there. Ronald Jones will have his little head start, and then he can shoot out of a cannon. But I'm just not touching Ronald Jones. I mean, I'll just tell you how it is. I, I he's just not a guy that I'm actively targeting. However, however, it speaks volumes to this draft class that Ronald Jones is our RB. Well, he's my RB eight, but we we you know RB seven, RB eight. He's he's in that range. He's not even a top six running back when a guy like Abdullah, for example, or, you know, was a, was the RB four back in 24, uh, 2015 or, or a guy like Bishop Sankey, who was a pac 12 smaller back was the RB one or two back in 2014. So it does speak volumes to the, to the depth of this class. If you are drafting Ronald Jones as the eighth running back off the board in the late first, I think the upside is immense. If if you can get Ronald Jones at 111, I'm all for that. If you're spending 105 on Ronald Jones, there's not a chance I would do that. Yeah, right, right. Luckily for us dynasty owners, this is a deep running back class, and if and if the value is right. I will definitely let Ronald Jones fall into my lap, but I'm just not reaching for him. And I think that's fair. Yeah, I absolutely agree. The guy I have above him at seven is Big Rolls Royce Freeman. And, and I, I, dude, I think Royce Freeman is the most undervalued running back in this class. All Royce Freeman has done is be the most productive back in this class by far in college. Arguably, one of the more impressive athletes ran the best three cone uh, out of any notable running back. Blazed in the forty. I mean, a four five four for a guy that's two hundred twenty nine pounds was had to meet or beat any expectation that you had, John. Yeah. I mean, I just think he's a good running back. You know, the the knock on the knock on Rolls Royce is that he may be just too mediocre, but dude. I see a lot of Jordan Howard. I thought Jordan Howard was really mediocre coming out. I just think he can play. I think, I think Royce Freeman is a guy who, if a, if a team that needs a first and second down back wants a guy to go in there and bang it, oh, my God. I, I would give the ball to Royce Freeman. He ain't going to lose you games. I think he's such a value. You know, if you're getting Royce Freeman late first, early second, I am all in on that value. All in. No, absolutely. I think I think that would be a great spot to scoop up a guy like him with the uh, with those athletic numbers you just listed at a guy who's about two thirty. I mean, that was always what made him mo- the 
you know, the most impressive uh, in college was the fact that a guy that size would would run away from people and had the speed to get a corner or an edge or or burst up the middle. You know, I really liked the way that he played in college. The only thing I'll say about the fact that he's a big back is I don't think he always played to his size. You know, I never really saw watching film on him or, or watching some highlights him ever punish defenders. That didn't really seem like his running style. And for a guy that 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 uh, that brings a, a big back mentality to the to the next level, you know, it's only going to get tougher. And if he doesn't have that type of mentality, you know, it, it may get a little you know it may get a little tougher for him in, in the NFL. Um, not being that type of a, a mentality. Um, so I always kind of viewed him more, I think maybe a little lazy, but Jonathan Stewart, right? Both Oregon backs. I see a lot of similarities there. Um, just, you know, the, the big back, good athlete, but doesn't always play to his size. I kind of get those vibes from him. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do want to say one thing about Royce. Number one, I, I think he's a patient back. Uh, I, I, you know, you mentioned Kerryon Johnson's patience. I, I think Royce, right? I think I think Royce Freeman definitely is more of a finesse runner, and I think that's okay because he's two hundred twenty nine pounds, right? And um, but let's talk about seventy nine career catches. You know, hey, yeah. hey, Ronald Jones. You know, <laughs> um, seventy nine, eight, fourteen, and four was his receiving stats. This dude's an underrated receiver, man. You know, I, I, I just think Royce Freeman is sneaky. 60 career uh, rushing touchdowns. That blows away anybody in this draft. The next guy was Nick Chubb with 44. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you the know, production's crazy. I mean, the production's bonkers. He, he's, his receiving is better than you think. He was a better athlete than we thought. He's probably going to go in day three, and he's going to outperform that. You know, it, If you're looking for a guy, the best value in the class, look no further than Royce Freeman. Hey John, I I know it's getting late, and I and I know you want to go to bed, but I have to talk to you about my favorite <laughs> sleeper of the class next, and that is Mister Jonathan Kelly, who is my RB nine. I love him. You know, I oh my god, I you hate when I talk about John Kelly because I just annoy you, but dude, John Kelly is a Kareem Hunt clone. He's a Kareem Hunt clone. The exact same measurables. His power balance is the best running back since Kareem Hunt. Uh, John Kelly was a skateboarder. He actually uh, talks about in a podcast that he was on with uh, Fantasy Football Franchise. And if you haven't checked it out, by the way, guys, uh, Fantasy Football fr- Franchise is definitely a friend of Between the 20s, and you should definitely go check out their show. But they brought um, Jonathan Kelly on. And he talks, really, really cool guy, talks about how skateboarding helped him with balance. And his balance is absurd. And and it really is borderline Kareem Hunt level. And um, Jonathan Kelly, Tennessee's offensive line was atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. uh, Graham Barfield, I, I brought him up before. Again, a guy I really respect. He has Jonathan Kelly as his fifth running back in the class. And Jonathan Kelly was elite in yards created, um, ma- mainly because he had to do all the work. Uh, his offensive line play was terrible. So don't just stare at 4.8 yards a carry and think that, you know, oh, that, that's a bad mark. He was playing in the SEC behind the worst line in the SEC, which, which is a tough, tall task 
When, you know, what, what, what I would encourage you guys to do, and I've watched this game a couple times, you need to go watch Jonathan Kelly versus Florida. John, I, I know you've watched it. I'm going to ask you to go back and watch it again. I need you to go watch Jonathan Kelly versus Florida and watch the dude demol. You, you know what it reminds me of, and it is lazy. And I'm, I'm just talking, I'm just ranting out of my ass right now about Jonathan Kelly, but I have to. Um, Alvin Kamara's game against Vanderbilt last year was the yeah. most impressive game out of anybody in the class. Jonathan Kelly versus Florida this year is the most impressive game out of anybody in the class. All right. Uh, now we gave you a little time for a breath there after that Kelly rant. But uh, <laughs> I love him, yeah, man. You know, I got to be honest. Kelly wasn't even on my radar to start the process. And uh, you're right about, uh, you know, that, that Florida game was a really good game. Um, the thing that really threw me off in the initial – the initial evaluation I always give is production. And when I looked at John Kelly's production, I saw four, just over four yards of carry. Now in college for a running back, I mean, trying to project that to the next level, that's pathetic. I mean, that's a guy who maybe shouldn't even be drafted with that kind of production. But, but you, once you analyze his situation more, like you said, Tennessee was God awful. God, they weren't even in most of those games. And when they were, and they tried to run the ball, that offensive line was so bad, he never had a chance. Um, so I will tell you that I, I do love his ability to create yards, like you said. Um, he can shed tacklers. He's compact. I like that frame about him. Um, but honestly, I mean, what's there to say about a guy who's going to be a day three pick? I mean, he's a day three running back. You know the history on that. You've taught me the history on that. I there's not going to be uh, there's not going to be a lot of optimism coming from me on a guy who's probably going to be fourth fifth round, and you know I'm not sure what kind of opportunity he's going to have. I kind of I kind of have to take all the positives you know with a grain of salt, and and kind of remember what the reality of the situation here with John Kelly. So um, you know second round is the only place he can be taken in, in, in rookie drafts. Yeah. And, and the day three thing, John is huge. And, and, and that's why he's ninth on our running back list. Now his ability makes him in that top nine, but he is ninth because he's the only running back in this top nine that I could say we're certain goes day three. Right. Right. You know, I, I think Royce even has a chance to slip in late day two, you know, Kirion, we, we don't we don't know if he's on or off, but but Kelly, I'm positive, is going to be a day three back. I agree with you there. I do think, though, that this guy can win a job. You know, I, I, I think this guy, if he went to um, Baltimore, he's better than Alex Collins, man. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so I, I think I, I think we'd have to see where he, where he lands. And in day three, all bets are off. He could be David Johnson's backup and he and he's irrelevant. Right. Yeah. yeah which, no, is, absolutely. which is why we preach to you guys day three running backs are an avoid in the pre-draft process. You know, if, if guy ha- if a guy has a day three grade from nearly all the scouts that matter, you, you have to fade them early until they prove to you with landing spot and situation they belong in round one. So as much as I love John Kelly, as much as I think he's a Kareem Hunt level sleeper, he is the ninth running back in this class, and fairly so. John, we got a few more to round out our top 12, and we're going to kind of hit these a little more rapid fire. So our next tier 
Uh, now, would you agree that th this is this is the last tier, right? This is tier five, yeah, and it consists no, of Kalen Bellage, Bo Scarborough, and Mark Walton. Couldn't be three more different running backs and three more different positives and negatives about their games. Who would you like to start this tier off with, John? And go right ahead. Honestly, I think probably the easiest eval is, is Scarborough, right? Coming out of Alabama, he fits that mold of just the hammer, right? That's what he's going to come in. That's what he's going to be. I think the the biggest sign of optimism is that explosion stats he had at the Combine. I mean, he was up there with carry-ons, uh, vert and broad jump. Um, and at, at 228, that's that's the kind of explosion you want to see out of a hammer back. Uh, the only issue is... He's just, he's a one trick pony. Um, there's a reason we have him ranked here, you know, starting in, uh, in tier five, but, um, you know, I, I like what well, I like that he brings a defined skill set to the table, and I'd love to see him get that opportunity where even as a day three pick, he could slide in with a defined role, something like a Carolina, where you know he's going to be that Jonathan Stewart role, where they bring him in goal line situations, short yardage, maybe first down, and and give get him potentially ten to fifteen rushes a game, where hey, if he's a red zone threat, maybe he's giving you some value there. So that's kind of what I see with him. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting that you brought up a, a couple things on him, right? So, number one, Carolina, perfect situation, you know, for, for a guy like him. And, and that's where you know he's going to get the volume that he needs to be relevant. But we're, we're not expecting. But just so you guys know, we don't think any of these next three are going to be fantasy stars. We're just trying to get you a value late second round right here. Right, John? Mm -hmm. Right, so, right. Exactly. The, the interesting thing about Bo Scarborough is twofold. Number one, his his numbers. Bo Scarborough for that pounding, you know, go ahead bruiser has the least amount of uh, of career college touches out of anyone that we've mentioned in our top twelve episode today by far. Uh, he he has less career college touches than John Kelly by almost twenty percent, actually by um, by over twenty percent. Right, um, right. But conversely, you almost wonder if he's more <coughs> than a two down bruiser. Because this dude demolished the combine, I think almost unexpectedly. I didn't expect a four-five-two. I certainly didn't expect a forty-inch vert and a one-twenty-nine-inch broad jump, which was the best in the class. Um, so the dude's an athlete, which it has has risen his grade. He's actually a seventy-six on Scouts Inc., which is um, uh, the the notable system that ESPN uses when they grade their players. And yeah. seventy-six is well in the day two range. I mean, Kareem Hunt was lower than that. Foreman was about that. And, and those two guys uh, both went in day three last year. So, you know, number one speaks to the depth of this class, but number two, both Scarborough could somehow sneak into day two. Um, I, I doubt it. I think he's around four pick, but um, it, it could happen. Th those numbers were eye popping. And uh, he, he's definitely a guy to monitor and watch. Uh, how about Kalen Bellage, who is just such an enigma? I mean, the, he was supposed to be, you know, Mr. Athlete. In fact, maybe the opposite of Bo Scarborough, where he was a good athlete but didn't wow us like we all expected, you know? I mean, yeah. he, he had good numbers, don't get me wrong, but his 40 was good, but his vertical was only a 33-and-a-half, which is one of the worst marks out of anybody we talked about today. And a 122-inch broad jump, which is also one of the worst marks out of anybody we're going to talk about today. 
which I, I find surprising for a guy that was supposed to be Mr. Freak. Um, I'll tell you what, man. I, I just I don't see it on Balage. I, I don't think Balage can is a is a runner. Um, you know, he, he's just he's just not. I, I think he's the worst interior runner in the class. I think he's worse than Mark Walton. I think he's worse than Ronald Jones. Actually, Ronald Jones is actually a pretty impressive interior runner. But um Kalen Balage to me is probably not gonna be a running back at the next level in terms of getting 15, 20 carries. But what he can do is catch the ball. He actually has the second highest number of career catches in this class at 82 behind only Saquon Barkley. And um, the thing you got to respect about Balage at any standpoint is a big 228 pound prototypical back that has those kind of receiving chops and those speed and that kind of speed in the right offense, uh, I'm, I'm interested, right? I mean, you have to at least acknowledge him. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm right there with you. Just like you said, an enigma, really weird player. It's almost like he's just an athlete playing football who never really got the right position for him. I mean, I, I read a story today that there was a point at Arizona State where he w- they were thinking about moving him to defensive end. I mean, it's just a guy who everyone wants to see out on the field, but what can he really do? What's his defined skill set? I don't think anybody really knows. He's one of those players where situation will dictate everything. He's going to need a coach to mold him to what uh, to what he can be to reach his ceiling, to define a skill set for him. But like you said, his athletic ability, and I do love the ability that you know he could show the receiving chops and, and be productive in that area. So I think people are very intrigued with him at the next level. It's just, it's going to be really interesting to see. And, and for that reason, and for the the reason of, of having so much unknown, you know, there's a reason we'll have to have him this low. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't take him until the late second, um, you know. But it, yeah, I I I like the uh, the upsides there. But he he's probably not going to be on my team. The last guy is Mark Walton, running back from Miami, small guy in the Gio Bernard type role. Terrible athlete. I I couldn't believe how bad this guy's combine yeah. was. Four six forty, thirty one inch vertical, which was tied for the worst in the class out of notable players, and a hundred eighteen inch. Uh, broad jump, which was, you know, on par with Royce Freeman, you know, which is just incredible to me. <laughs> but, um, you know, the thing I like about Mark Walton is I think Mark Walton's a good football player. You know, when, when I, when you watch Mark Walton on, on tape, uh, especially if you watch him last year, uh, he, he's really impressive. He, he was battling an injury all year in, in 2017. And, and there is no question that the 2017 tape is not as impressive as the 2016 tape. But I'll tell you what, NFL guys like him more than fantasy guys do. Um, I just saw on a move the sticks, um, Daniel Jeremiah had a bold prediction that Mark Walton went in round two, which I think is freaking crazy. But, you know, you talk, you talk about, but hey, you know what, though? It's supposed to be a bold prediction, so I, right. I, I'll never fault anybody for bold predictions. But, um, you know, it's, it's funny because... I, you know, when we look at this class holistically, you, you think six are a lock for day one and day two. And honestly, we're hoping for seven, maybe even eight. And and it's funny how a guy like Kirion, who you and I think is a day two lock by our grade, could fall to day three. And then a guy like Scarborough or Walton, who 
are not day two grades in our book, but could sneak up there, right? You know, it, and it never fails. I mean, James Conner last year went in day two instead of Samaj P. Ryan, you know, and I and I think yeah. that was a that was a surprise to somebody. So don't be surprised if any of these last, even John Kelly, and, and any of these guys that we mentioned in Walton, Balage, Scarborough, or Kelly, because all it takes is one team to really love them. And uh and it'd be interesting to see if any of them did sneak in to to uh to day two of the NFL draft. Um what what are your thoughts on Walton? I mean, are you a buyer? I mean, where where is your head at on him? Yeah, I mean Walton, I gotta be honest, I, I really faded him hard after the combine. For a guy who's already coming in five ten, two oh two, I need to see some athletic numbers. And like you said, he was bottom of this class in virtually everything he tested in. I, it's just really weird to see a guy like that who, like you said, had some good tape and some promising, uh, some promising games he had, especially in 2016. I think that really put him on the map for a lot of scouts. Um, I saw a good comp today. I saw uh, James White, right? One of those type players. He's small. He's undersized. He's not testing well, but a guy who can give you some sort of production because he's a good football player. And I think that's the kind of ceiling he can have. But man, day two, that would be—I would be absolutely shocked. My jaw would hit the floor if that happened. Uh, just based on on those athletic numbers, I, I don't see any reason for that. Just let him be the day three player he is, um, and and maybe if he gets a good situation, he can be a contributor and and a guy who maybe fantasy ceiling is like a bye week contributor. But uh, I don't know. He's at the bottom of my list. You know, I, I'm not I'm not too interested anywhere. You know, maybe late second, but um, that's kind of where I'm at with him. Yeah, and as the RB12, what do you expect, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but overall, a very interesting running back class, I, I, I would say holistically, and a, and a class that if you need running back, this is the year. Because if you join us next week, we're going to be talking about the wide receivers, and I think the first round of your rookie draft is going to be extremely running back dominated based on where we have wide receiver grades this year, um, especially early in the rounds. And, uh, you know, it's definitely the meat and the bones of the class. And and I do think that, you know, I I hear this misnomer that this class is deep. I I hear that all the time. This is such a deep class. Uh, After our first nine, I'm not really interested in anybody. Um, and, And I say that only because I'm looking for a difference maker. Even though I think John Kelly's a day three running back, I think he's a difference maker if he gets a chance. Um, and, and I and I think that that's something to keep in mind when you're doing these rookie drafts because one thing we're going to talk about our last show before the before the NFL draft is is our pre basically our, our big board and, and rookie board and I talk about all the time trade out point and, and I and I think if you're not getting one of these top nine backs I'm trading out. Yeah, I, I'm just not interested. I'm either going a different position, whether it's quarterback or tight end, or I'm trading out. And I think that that's so important because you see a lot of inexperienced dynasty players burn picks all the time. And, and so I think it's a good class to even have nine deep is pretty incredible. You know, that that's around the number we had last year, right? You know, co- coming in at this time. So definitely a class to take advantage of. We, we appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, any last words you want to say, John? No, I think you summed it up right. Uh, really, really love this RB class and the depth that it's bringing. Um, 
get yourself one of these top nine guys, I think there's a chance for all of them, like you said. And uh, for maybe over the hour we talked about these running backs, I think we can get through these wide receivers next week in about 20 minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little harsh. A little harsh. Well, hey, guys, th- thank you for listening. Please join us next week to listen to our uh, wide receiver preview episode. And remember, Dynasty Championships are won between the 20s.